You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 56 of Aging Starts Now. I'm Barbara McGinnis, an attorney and partner here at Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. Today, we're talking about how to keep your brain healthy. And joining us for the conversation is Dr. Mark Phillips. Dr. Phillips is a board-certified clinical neuropsychologist with over 30 years' experience providing comprehensive neuropsychological evaluations for memory loss and other cognitive disorders. He works primarily with older adults and specializes in healthy aging and dementia. Welcome, Dr. Phillips. Thank you, Barbara. It's great to be with you. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about a topic that I'm very much interested in. I bet. Well, I mean, I bet you're interested in it. Thank you for being with us. So what is a neuropsychologist? Well, a neuropsychologist is a psychologist who has specialized training in brain functioning uh, and, in particular, cognitive functioning. Uh, Also, neuropsychologists are often thought of as memory doctors or testing doctors because we do cognitive testing. And as you mentioned, my particular area of interest is aging and the brain. And we can talk a little bit, if you'd like, about the types of testing that we do, but uh, we do a wide range of of testing when people come in uh, uh, to see me. Well, I think that's fascinating. And and how do you decide about what kind of tests for different clients that come in? Well, typically people come to us by way of their primary care doctors or a neurologist. Uh, Typically, people may have gone in and mentioned to their doctor that they're concerned about some memory problems, and so their doctor may refer them to us for a comprehensive battery of tests, and these would include tests of memory, attention, speech and language, uh, visual motor functions, and executive functions. As my wife, Michelle, who manages the office and usually does the scheduling here, likes to tell folks that it's a painless process. There are no needles involved, uh, no electrodes on your head. It's all done in one day. And uh, we find that most people find the testing process rather interesting and engaging. And we'd like to hear that that they've enjoyed it. Um. I'm pretty sure my husband would be really open to this. He or we came to your office to be uh, for him, his memory to be tested about a year, a little more than a year ago. And he thought that it was, he found it very interesting, the types of questions that was, I mean, he just found the whole thing fascinating. Um, And it gave us some insight into he particularly was having some memory um, short-term memory loss and some word-finding problems and came away with 
mild cognitive impairment. Do you want to talk about what mild cognitive impairment is? Yeah, sure. Mild cognitive impairment is a term that's used for uh, a condition where people do have some changes in their memory and cognitive functioning. Um, but they're still doing pretty well in day-to-day -day life. They're still able to function pretty well. But some of these problems are aggravating and get in the way of uh, their ability for, as you mentioned, uh, finding words, uh, maybe remembering uh, you know, things about uh, recent events. Uh, and so testing can uh, evaluate whether those problems are something serious to be concerned about, maybe a sign of, of more uh, serious problems that may be developing or whether it's something that is more normal uh, as part of the aging process. And uh, of course, as we talk a little bit more about what some of those normal changes are that come with aging, we can uh, go into a little bit more detail about that. Indeed. So what are some of the normal changes uh, related to aging versus signs of there might be something wrong? Well, that's, that, uh, that's an important question, Barbara, because uh, a lot of people often question, well, is, is this a sign of something abnormal or is this just uh, because I've had maybe, as one person told me, I've had too many birthdays. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, we know that aging does affect us. And um, I categorize the changes, the normal changes with aging into two categories. Uh, one category refers to the cognitive changes uh, that people often notice. Uh, and within the cognitive realm, there, uh, there are about four different areas that uh, are important to keep in mind. The first one is memory. Uh, there are two aspects of memory that it uh, is helpful to think in terms of. One is long-term memory. And this refers to those memories that have been stored in our brains over many, many years. These include things like childhood experiences, early, early school experiences, uh, early adulthood, our first job, our marriage, uh, our children when they came uh, into the world. Those, are, those have been with us a long time. And those long-term memories tend to stick with us as we age. They don't change very much. The other area is the short-term memory, and that's the area that people, as we get older, are, tend to be a little bit more concerned about. And uh, this refers to things like, uh, you know, what did I have last Tuesday for dinner? Uh, where did I park my car when I uh, went to Kroger? Uh, those are things that are short-term, uh, and we're much more likely to forget those sorts of things. So uh, a second area to be aware of is how attention and concentration changes with aging. And again, these are normal changing processes. Okay. Uh, there are two areas to keep in mind. And one is as we age, many of us that are used to multitasking find that this becomes more difficult as we age. And uh, 
This is because one aspect of attention that we call divided attention becomes uh, more difficult to manage. Uh, this refers to the fact that we split our attention between more than one thing. Uh, when we're younger, we tend to do this a little bit better, or at least we think we do. As we get older, it becomes more difficult to split our attention. Another area of attention that tends to decline with aging is what is often referred to as selective attention. And selective attention means that we, uh, when we focus on one thing and close out any distractions, so if we want to read a book and we're able to focus on that book without being distracted by other things, that's an example of selective attention. Now, as we get older, selective attention uh, becomes more difficult because with aging, we're more likely to get uh, knocked off track by distractions. And uh, an example of this that I hear many, many times from people who come into the offices, you know, I, I go into a room and I was going to get such and such and I get in there and I can't even remember what it was I went in there to get. Or I don't even remember why I went into the room. Uh, this is a normal change uh, that reflects our uh, difficulty with selective attention and, and locking out some distractions that may knock us off course. Uh, a third area, and uh, this has to do with language and speech, and this gets back to what you were referring to, Barbara, when you mentioned uh, concerns about word finding. Uh, difficulty coming up with words is extremely common as we get older. Uh, in fact, it's probably the number one most common complaint that I hear that's, uh, that's a normal uh, complaint, but it's aggravating nonetheless. Uh, vocabulary, our ability, our knowledge of words tends to remain intact as we get older. However, retrieving words and names of people and nouns in particular, it, te it tends to affect just coming up with nouns. It is more difficult. It's a little slower. It can be uh, a maddeningly frustrating process to come up with that word that we can't. We know it's on the tip of our tongue, but we just can't come up with. Uh, it takes more time to do that. Um, and that's, uh, that's perfectly normal, not an abnormal sign. Uh, and then the fourth area is has to do with speed of processing. Uh, as we age, uh, it takes longer for us to uh, learn new things. Uh, we tend to be at our fastest in processing speed in our 20s. Uh, so those who might be 20 years old and are listening to this, enjoy it now because as you get older, <laughs> through... Uh, through our 70s, uh, it slightly uh, declines over time. We need to allow ourselves more time to think through problems and to remember things. But uh, on an optimistic note, those of us as we get older, if we take adequate time to learn things, our memory for those things can be just as good as people who are younger. Just need to give ourselves more time to do it. So uh, those are those are four main areas of cognitive changing and. Um, if you'd like, we can talk a little bit about specific physical brain changes also, if, if we'd like to do that. Well, well, that's interesting, too. I, I, nor, there's normal brain changes, it sounds like, and then there's going to be some pathology um, that 
creeps in there. But what I took away from from your explanation was we need to give ourselves a little slack because as we get older, there's going to be just some things that happens to us. And it doesn't mean that we're incapacitated, impaired. Well, we might be slightly impaired, but we're not incapacitated for sure. Um, Just because we struggle with finding words, those nouns, they eventually seem to bubble up to the top, but a little slower and be patient with, with each other's and those that are older in our lives. Um, Yeah, you're absolutely right, Barbara. And that's a very important take home with this because so many of those kinds of things, it's reassuring to notice that we all experience that when we're aging. And it's not something that is a sign that uh, we're headed for um, dementia. It's something that uh, uh, happens to us all. Uh, and uh, we do need to give ourselves a little bit of slack. And I think you're absolutely right about that. But how do we keep our brains optimal? If this is normal, can we can we slow some of the progression of these normal age changes by doing things that keep us sharp? There are. And, and you know, when I was going through training back 35 years ago, uh, there really wasn't a whole lot of recognition or discussion about are there things that can ward off uh, detrimental effects of brain aging. And uh, gradually, though, uh, information started coming out and there was recognition that there are things that can be done. And as uh, we began to recognize that there are some protective activities that we can engage in, more and more research started being done that backed this up. And uh, there's a good bit of research now that shows that there are things that we can do that do protect uh, us from the detrimental effects of aging and keeps our brains fit and helps us uh, remain alert and sharp. So we can uh, go through some of these things. Um, On... uh, There are some things I think that might be helpful for people to be aware of uh, that uh, can affect uh, these cognitive changes uh, that um, can sometimes exacerbate problems. Uh, And one of these areas is medication. I think it's important for people who are on medication. uh, And as we get older, people do tend to get on some medications for for, problems that creep in. Uh, Certain medications that cause drowsiness or mental dullness, um, such as antihistamines. A lot of us, if we get a cold, we have antihistamine. As we get older, those antihistamines are going to affect our brains more because of the the brain chemicals that are important for memory and for attention uh, are more sensitive to those kind of medications. Also, some sleep medications. sedatives, pain medications. If you're on any of those, it's always good to make sure you and your doctor take a close look at that if you're having any uh, difficulty with memory and concentration to see if there's some changes that can be made there. Um, But I have a top 10 list of things that can be done uh, to help stay sharp and healthy, keep your brain healthy. So uh, if you'd like, let's just go through those. 
Oh, uh, absolutely. Let's let's hit them. Okay, very good. Well, uh, the first one is uh, related back to your physical health. It's good to get regular doctor appointments because uh, any medical conditions or medications, as I just mentioned, uh, can affect uh, cognitive functioning and brain functioning. It's good to be heart healthy because what's good for your heart and body is good for your brain. So it's important to, to check those things out to stay physically healthy. Uh, number two is to eat wisely. Uh, diets that are rich in fruits, vegetables, whole grains, low in fats and sugars have been found to have a neurocognitive uh, benefit. Many listeners may be familiar with the Mediterranean diet, which incorporate mm -hmm. many of these aspects. Um, there's also a MIND diet, which is an acronym that refers to diet that uh, prevents neurodegenerative uh, disease. The third mm -hmm. area is to get moving. Uh, physical activity uh, is very important. Uh, the CDC recommends uh, 30 minutes a day, five days a week. Um, if you're not used to exercising, uh, you know, 15 minutes a day, five days a week is a good starting point. Any physical activity that you can engage in is going to be beneficial. Uh, in terms of how much, how strenuous your activity uh, needs to be, uh, I like to uh, use a 1 to 10 point scale, 1 being if you're a complete couch potato, uh, and 10 being if you are just uh, giving it your all, sprinting, at your, at working out as hard as you possibly can. If you can shoot for something in the mid-range, around a 5, something that uh, mm -hmm. if you're walking briskly or doing water aerobics, uh, something that feels like it's about a moderate range of exertion is a good thing to shoot for. Uh, what we found, some of the research that's uh, quite fascinating, is that uh, a brain uh, growth factor protein uh, called BDNF actually is enhanced with exercise. And this BDNF is important both for the uh, maintenance of uh, neurons, the brain cells that are uh, what uh, create uh, brain activity, but also uh, help maintain those and help grow new brain cells, particularly in areas of, uh, that are important for memory, an area that's very important called the hippocampus, which is integral to uh, memory uh, storage. Um, so Exercise is very important in that way. Okay. Uh, a fourth area is to sleep enough. Uh, getting a good seven to eight hours of sleep a night is a, a good uh, recommended uh, amount to shoot for. I know some people say they don't need as much and some people need more, but seven to eight is a good average amount. Uh, not only does uh, getting a good night's sleep help our alertness and energy in the daytime, which is, of course is important. It actually, while we're sleeping, the brain is uh, active clearing 
toxins uh, from, from the brain. The cerebrospinal fluid washes over, that bathes the brain in fluid, helps clear out some of these toxins. Uh, and in particular, uh, some of you may be familiar with beta amyloid. Beta amyloid can develop into plaques in the brain, and that's one of the signs of uh, one of the causes of dementia, Alzheimer's disease, or one of the things associated with Alzheimer's disease. And as beta amyloid peptides are cleared out of the brain while we're sleeping, and, uh, of course, that sounds like a very good thing, and it is. Another uh, interesting thing about getting a good night's sleep is that while we're sleeping, our dreams, uh, during the dreaming state, we're storing and consolidating memories. So it has a beneficial effect on, on our memories as well. So sleep is kind of a multifaceted uh, uh, beneficial uh, activity for us. Uh, number five is to stay socially connected. Um, and I know during COVID, this has been a challenge for all of us. Um, but uh, someone has used the term connection is protection. And that's really true because social connection uh, in positive relationships is protective, is, is neurocognitively protective of the brain. Um, it's important to spend time with people that you like and avoid those that bring you down. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so both aspects are very, uh, very important in terms of protecting our brain. Uh, Even during COVID, we had little small groups of, you know, there was like two or three couples that, we were our quarantine is what we called it, and, you know, that we were, I mean, we didn't socialize with hundreds of people. We socialized with small groups, but still being able to, um, I, I do believe you, you, I read that all the time that social connections are so, so important in staying healthy and aging well. So what's number six? Uh, number six uh, is keeping mentally stimulated. Um, a lot of people come in and say, well, uh, Dr. Phillips, should I be working crossword puzzles and Sudoku? And uh, I say, yes, uh, mental stimulation has been shown to have beneficial effects, certainly. Uh, so uh, anything such as learning a new skill, uh, take, take an art class, uh, maybe learn a musical instrument, uh, take up gardening. Uh, here we've got spring coming up, uh, opportunity to do that if you like to get outside. Uh, taking adult education classes, uh, volunteering. Uh, volunteering is particularly interesting. There's some re recent research on a, uh, a program called Experience Corps. It, uh, it's available to older folks who can volunteer their time in elementary schools. And uh, People go and interact with the kids in school, and not only is it mentally stimulating for them, but they're physically active, and they're also doing something beneficial um, for the children. It's meaningful to the older adults as well. And some of the research that's coming from Experience Corps shows that uh, many cognitive skills of the older adults who are engaged in these programs uh, 
actually improves over the course of involvement in their volunteer work. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, of course, playing games like uh, Sudoku and crossword puzzles, learning bridge, uh, are not only mentally stimulating, but it gets back to what you were talking about, uh, Barbara, in terms of uh, these are things you can do with other people as well, the card games. Uh, so you have that social connection as well. So it's, it gives you a double benefit there. Yeah. Uh, reading is important uh, because you're remaining engaged and learning new things. I encourage people to think in terms of being a lifelong learner. Be active. Uh, your whole life, learning new things, stretching a bit, pushing the boundaries, it's, it's good for you. That's right. Um, number six, um, expand your life space. And what this is really referring to is actually uh, extending your, uh, your, your area where you live and, and uh, move. Uh, get out, explore new things. Uh, people who uh, move around to more places in a wider space uh, tend to show better functioning on cognitive tests. It helps ward off cognitive decline. Uh, mm-hmm. And so var- variety is not only the spice of life, but it's also good for the brain, it turns out. So get some of those various experiences in. Uh, Number eight uh, is attitude matters. Uh, this has to do with uh, how we think, the attitudes that we have. And an example is it's important to, to be conscientious, uh, take responsibility for things, be dependable, uh, and also to have a purpose in life. Be involved in activities that are meaningful to you, such as hobbies or, as we mentioned earlier, volunteering. Uh, Have goals that you're working toward. Uh, it, It turns out that the research shows that people who are conscientious, people who have a purpose in life, uh, are more uh, cognitively active and engaged and can ward off some of the declines uh, that come with aging. Um, Number nine uh, is to be mindful of mood. Uh, If you have depression, anxiety, trauma, I think it's important to get help for those things because reducing stress also reduces the negative impact on the brain. We know that... uh, Chronic stress can actually cause some deterioration in, in that same area of the brain that stores memories, the hippocampus. And so getting help for some of these stress-inducing emotional conditions is important. And, and the last of the top ten is uh, what I call use active cognitive strategies. And uh, they're There are two types of cognitive strategies I'd like to talk about. The first has to do with external, what I call external strategies. Um, And this applies to anything that is in your environment that can help you remember and help you be more efficient in what you're doing. Uh, For example, uh, there's uh, an adage that 
there's a place for everything and everything has its place. For those of you that uh, misplace keys or your cell phone, that sort of thing, uh, it's, it's not, uh, it, it is helpful to keep a place for each of those things so that you're not wasting time looking around for things that you're going to need every day. Uh, that's an ext external strategy. Uh, using a calendar for upcoming events, appointments is another one that's commonly used. A weekly pillbox is another strategy that is very helpful for folks to fill their pillbox up at uh, the beginning of the week, and that way they can know what they need to take at, at various times during the day. Uh, reminder to-do lists. I, I have several to-do lists. Uh, uh, I probably have lists for my lists because I'm so dependent yeah. on those things. Those are all external strategies, and I encourage people to use them um, often. Um, then there are internal strategies, and uh, internal strategies are any things that we do uh, through our own cognitive efforts to help us remember and be more effective. For, for example, uh, um, a memory mnemonic or internal device has to do with remembering names. So if you meet Mary at a party, uh, one way to help remember that she's Mary is to try to visualize a Mary that you already know and just picture, visualize this Mary with the Mary that you know as a way of connecting that memory. And that's an internal uh, device. Another mnemonic is uh, the use of acronyms. Uh, for instance, if you go into the grocery store and you need to pick up eggs, apples, tomatoes, and sugar, you might want to use an acronym of EATS, E-A-T-S, as a way to uh, remember those items. So those are uh, internal strategies. Um, so those are, those are the top ten uh, of, of the list of some things that we can all do to help protect our memory and our cognition. Well, that was wonderful. I think we're going to turn that into, uh, we're going to probably turn that into something that we can put on our Facebook page yeah. and, uh, and get people to listen to, the, to this podcast. I really appreciate you being here. I think you've got an, so much to share. We'll probably ask you to come back at some point in time if you feel comfortable doing that. But that's it for today's episode. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Takis McGinnis is a life care planning law firm helping families respond to legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of elderly loved ones. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Tagus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.